Hi, everyone, and welcome to a Wednesday edition of NASCAR America from the Big Oak Table Live from NBC Charlotte. Marty Snyder, the mayor, Jeff Burton, Landon Castle joining you here for a fun hour edition. And uh, hey, guys, good to see you, number one. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Off week for the Cup, guys, but it's a busy NASCAR week. you got the Truck Series kicking off their playoffs this weekend in Canada, Xfinity Series and Road America. By the way, we're going to have an Xfinity Series driver on the show today. A rookie, right? <laughs> a Hall of Fame rookie, Bill Elliott, going to be yeah. on the show today with us here uh, for NASCAR America. You don't want to miss that. And we're wrapping up summer, right? And, and school's starting back in the last couple of weeks around the country. So I think it's a fun time to kind of review your favorite summer moments. Oh, you equated school and fun. You put those two together. What <laughs> no, school did I you said go to? Summer's wrapping up. <laughs> did I put <laughs> I those together? School and fun? You did. You, said. you can see your options down there. And uh, look at that. Excited. Kyle Busch winning already. Of course, the moment at Chicago Land when Kyle Busch won the race with Kyle Larson. Let's relive that and kick off our summer fun moments. start banging doors on one another. That's what it turns the race into, and it's fair game after that. I don't know what y'all are whining about. And here comes Larson. Larson to the bottom of the track. Bad job. Trying to take the lead away. Bad job. The 18. They make contact. The 18 in the wall. They're side by side again. Here comes the 18. He puts the ball in the back of him. Kyle Busch will win. (laughs) Wow. Oh, my goodness. What a great race. If you don't like that kind of racing, don't even watch that was awesome. I lo- well, we all love slide job, but I love your wow after it was all over with because <laughs> cool. that's all you could say when it was over with. It was so cool Watch, watching those guys just flat out go at it. And I thought that Larson was out of the picture. I thought he had gotten far enough away from him and he couldn't get to him. And you look up and there he is coming again. And, <laughs> and you knew it was coming. Like you knew Larson was going to do something. And it was it was an awesome race. Yeah, we take an exciting race and an exciting uh, booth right there. You and, you and Dale pretty much uh, elevated uh, the excitement there. That that track has just really come into its own, hasn't it? I mean, as a driver, you, it's that place that you got on sticker tires, you got all the grip, and then it just goes away every <laughs> single lap after that. I like seeing Larson, though, in his element, you know, being able to rim ride. And yeah, that was cool. a good race. Certainly a lot of fun, and we're going to get into this in a moment, but the racing, golly, since the late June has been fantastic. So we'll get into that in a mayor segment coming up in a little bit. Also, just two races left in the regular season, so I, I think a very appropriate time to hand out regular season superlatives, like like, like senior school? superlatives, like yeah. you had in high school. Did, did, you you get get a, a, did you get anything? I was going to ask you, Burton, if you got sure. one. Oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody that's watching right now that knows me is like, no, he did not get anything. They were glad when I left. They gave me, they gave me that diploma. They're like, he's gone. They were happy. I, did you get a senior superlative in your yearbook? I, I, I know they did something. I don't, I don't know what mine was. I... I think it was something, but I, I'm not sure. I was, I was racing at the time, and I, I don't know if it was a uh, most likely to win the Daytona 500 or most likely to succeed or it something It wasn't like best that. hair? It could have Come been on. best hair, yeah. Okay. Best dress. Yes, All right. That might have been best it. Dress? <laughs> I don't, my hair was, well, my hair was about this long when I was in high school. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's kick <laughs> off the uh, regular season superlatives, if you will, with the most impressive driver. Landon, we'll start with you. Who's, who's yeah. most impressed you in 2018? Um, I had Kyle Busch. I mean, and really, I kind of voted on this one after what I saw him do in Bristol this weekend. Uh, have a damaged race car. I mean, I know having a tail ripped off is helps the arrow and things like that. But this dude drove by me like 10 times Saturday night (laughs) and just didn't give me an inch. I could see the cars around him. He was racing them aggressively. He was on a mission. And he just has this ability to step up. So I like Kyle Busch. Jeff? 
Well, I thought about that, but you know, the reason he was in that trouble is because he spun out by himself. So I, I <laughs> but, but I'm going to go Kevin Harvick. I, I mean, he has seven wins. He has the most wins. And this, this to me is an award kind of like the best coach when they give the best coach award. Yeah. They always give it to a team they didn't think was going to do well. They never give it to the coach that wins 40 games every year, right? They give it to the, the coach that doesn't win as many. So to me, I look at who's won the, the most races, and I got to go with Kevin Harvick with seven wins. That's pretty impressive. I looked at it the opposite way. I looked at as at, at you know at as you know who's someone coming into the year we did not think would have a very good year, and I went with Clint Boyer. I, I think that yeah. team. I don't think we expected them to have two wins at this point in the season, even close, right? Is that a fair statement? And they've done that, and they've had speed. And at times, even you, Jeff, you you've been the leader of this category, saying I think they could be the fourth of if we're gonna have, if you're gonna have a big four. Yeah, and until when I said that, I don't think they've finished in the top ten since. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's go with hard luck team. And, uh, Jeff, you can start with this. Who would you say has had the worst luck, if you will, in 2018? So I have a hard time with this one because I think a lot of times people make their own luck. But I'm going to go with Suarez. I just feel like every time they get some momentum going, uh, something happens to, to knock it out from underneath them. They have – They've found better speed. They're running well, but they're not getting the finishes. And when I look at why they're not getting the finishes, some of those things are out of their control, and some of them are in their control. But they have enough speed to be in the playoffs. But unless they make something crazy happen in the next two weeks, they're probably not going to make it. I'm with you on making your own luck. I'm a big believer that you make your own luck. And I think the 10 team uh, with Eric Almorola driving is, is one where – uh, they've had bad fortune. In some cases, they make their own luck, and they've had uh, pit road issues, and and they've had some, you know, the last lap of the Daytona 500, you get leading the race and you get ran into. Um, he's got the speed, but just can't close it. You know, he made a comment that that he feels like he has to learn how to run up front now, mm-hmm. and I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, I, myself, I, I can relate to that. I've been in the series for a long time, and I know that someday I'd like to be in a race-winning car, but I'm going to have to learn how to run up front being in that car. Who do you have? Is it okay if I dive into the truck series for John Hunter Nemechek? Please. I mean, oh, my, man, went, went, my man, my man with two races this year. Yes. With under two to go, has okay. been leading and lost two races. Yeah. How can you get any worse luck than that? Chicago and Bristol just this past week. Can't That's get any worse thing. than that. I didn't, I didn't know we were diving into the other series. Well, I, I just think, I'll how can it. you argue that for this kid, I mean, he's been leading yep. Yep. two races this year he, and has not been able to finish them He has managed to steal some races, though. Uh, he's definitely had his fortune in, in some of his wins. But All right, I'm all right. Surprise it. of the season. Jeff, what about you? Chevrolet. I am shocked that Chevrolets haven't run as well as they have because – I'm telling you to a man, to a woman, everybody I talked to in the offseason that was involved with Chevrolet, they were like, we're going to kick their butts. Like, we, <laughs> you know, shh, we're going to go test and we're not going to show them everything we got. Yep. You know, like, they were all convinced that this car was just going to be unbelievably fast and it never showed up. And I'm diving in on that because my surprise is Hendrick Motorsports. I just, same thing with you. I just did not expect this from Hendrick Motorsports to struggle this much in 2018 and, and be in the spot for them. And, and you look at the numbers, the one win for Chase Elliott, but look at the stage wins, the three for Chase Elliott, oh. and that's it. I mean, it's just amazing how Hendrick has struggled this year. You want to see something worse, look at laps led. Mm. That is a scary stat with the exception of Chase Elliott. So my surprise is a little bit different. Um, I'm going to go with the Super Speedway carnage this year. We've always seen big wrecks, and we always expect a big wreck at Super Speedways, but all three Super Speedway races we've had have been complete just trash race cars in the garage after the races. I mean, you don't even have to 
race in them anymore. You, you just have to survive, and you've got a top 10 finish. And I think that has to do with NASCAR changing the rules package, and these cars are just really, really unstable and really hard to drive. And I don't think anybody expected that. So I think that's a surprise to the drivers. That's good. And that segues to our wildest wreck, and I think this, this segues into your <laughs> yep. wildest wreck because yep. that's your wildest wreck. Yeah, right? I, I, Anything I, on a track bigger than... Yeah, you asked yeah. me what would my answer going to be. It was going to be every restrictor plate race. You know, the 500, <laughs> the Talladega, the 400, they have been messes so i don't it's hard for me to just say one. this one wreck yeah all you gotta do is go watch those three races and just pick three or four from those yeah. they have been crazy races yeah those are hard hits. i had bubble wallace in pocono i'm oh, losing yeah. a brake stone yeah. in the turn one i lost my brakes in new hampshire and hit the wall i can only imagine doubling the speed at the end of that straightaway and feeling that helpless that that one hurt yeah that that is a big wreck i went with william byron at kansas and a lot of people have forgotten about this wreck yeah. but he absolutely at Kansas in the spring, went head-on directly into the wall. Here it is. Oh, uh, yeah. God, that's a hard hit. Oof. That just Man. the shivers watching that. And there's no time to react, is there, Jeff? No. I mean, you got zero chance to react. There. And they're, they're the scary-looking ones because the, the angle of impact is what hurts drivers. You know, the, 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 the how quick they stop, the angle of impact, that's the thing that hurts. When you see a guy turn and hit like that, the good thing is he was moving down the racetrack. You yeah. know what I mean? That that means that it, it didn't just stop. But still, that's the not the angle yeah. that you want to be. And a, a wreck like that one with William, when you get home the next morning, your your chest will be sore yeah. right here, and the mm. back of your neck will be sore because it just everything stretches like that. And you'll sometimes you'll have bruises from your Hans device. Um, I'm sure he did after that one. And then he lost brakes, and he lost brakes. Yes, at, yes. at the, yep. the road Tesla course. Roval, at yes, right. Don't say Roval at the road course at Charlotte. <laughs> and <laughs> don't say Roval. Gotta write that, that one down. Okay, thank you, Jeff. That's a money. What do you call that? You put money you in put the put jar. A fine jar. That's yeah, what yeah. that is. Exactly. All right. <laughs> Best strategy call of the year. You guys have the same one. So let's. Oh, go. we do. Have we have the same one. Well, I had Cole Pern. At Sonoma? Uh, Sonoma yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I'm a big Cole Pern fan, so really anytime Cole Pern makes a strategy call, I'm like, that was so good. He's awesome. I like it. I like when they stay out. He gets off sequence. But that that was a, a really good mental play against the four team and, and psyching out Rodney Childers. I, they had a pretty fast car. He probably could have won the race anyways, but he sealed it there. Anytime you can surprise this level of crew chief, this level of engineers, right. and one-up them, yeah. you know, I, that to me is really impressive. So I, I thought that, you know, and, and it's you're competing in everything in this series, right? It's sure. not just about who can make the best lap time. It's also, you know, how can you how can you find a way to have a little better pit stop? How can you find a way to do all these things? And when somebody does it, it they're not doing it against people that aren't good. They're doing it against the very best in the world at this. And watching him pull that off at Sonoma was fun. Was and, cool. I, and I voted Mike Bugaravich at Michigan, the two-tire call, which, you know, they did have to pass Kevin Harvick, yes. but that was a big call to get them their second win for Clint Boyer in 2018. So that was a very good call for that race team. And, so. Boyer, and Boyer just manning up and saying, right. I got two tires. I got to hold this guy off. I got to go. That has all these wins. That was that was a good combination. That, and that, to me... That's what that team needed. That driver and that crew chief together needed something major good to happen for them, and that was one of them. More superlatives coming up later, including the best race of the year. And many people thought Bristol was the best race of the year. And the mayor heard you fans after the Bristol race saying, hey, we want more short tracks. We want more short tracks. When we come back on NASCAR America, the mayor is in the office. And, yes, we're talking short tracks. Should there be more of them? How do you make that happen? That's next on NASCAR America.
NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. with your dad and your family and I didn't want to let my dad down. He's here tonight. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Good show, huh? Did we see after the burnout interview talking about driving the heck out of it? Did you leave the helmet on top of the car? What was going on there? Oh crap, I did. <laughs> I left my helmet on the car. I didn't know. I get old, you know. I forgot how to win. It's just, things happen. That'll go down in history as one of the better helmet, helmet toss that we've seen. <laughs> Uh, sharing some of the fun moments of the summer months here on NASCAR America Today. You can keep voting, by the way, at NBCSports.com slash vote. But I, uh, I didn't know whether to make fun of Kurt's hair at the time. He had just won a race. I saw the hair, but, I mean, you can't make fun of a guy's hair. When just can you imagine what mine would look victory. like after I get out of the car like it that? Would, it would be I don't blame good. him. I'm not going to make fun of it. <laughs> Speaking from experience, you can make fun of somebody's hair at any point. It's, it doesn't. You can win, lose, whatever. It's free game. Okay. Always I just want to make game. sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, by the way, post-race at Bristol, and that was certainly one of the best races of the year. Lots of fans saying, hey, we want more short tracks. And even the drivers were saying that after the race. Here's Kyle Larson. I, I think just Bristol's an awesome place. Um, if we could race here every Saturday and Sunday, our, our grandstands would be packed and our TV ratings would be very high. So let's build more Bristol's. Time for the mayor to be in session. So, Mr. Mayor, it's a great idea, more short tracks, but is that a realistic endeavor to say, hey, let's just put more on the schedule? Well, yes and no. I mean, you could change the schedule to however they wanted to change it, but the problem with that is you really have to go back. And you, I think the sport has to be respectful for the tracks that made an incredible investment in the sport. So you think about the mile and a half that have had a huge impact on this sport. And, and I don't think it's fair just to turn your back on those, car, on those track owners Think about the investment it takes to build a racetrack. So, so yes, we need short tracks. We need mile and a half. We need super speedways. We need road courses. So how do you make the mile and a half so you're not having this conversation and you need more short tracks? That's really what it's about. Like if the mile and a half races were as good as the Chicago race, then we wouldn't be having this conversation, yeah. right? So so we all know NASCAR's and talking about... they haven't about, been bad. I no. Mean, I mean, this year they've been, they've been pretty good, especially since the races that, that we've had, that we've covered have really been good races, but but they're not as exciting. An average mile and a half race isn't as exciting as a mad, an average half mile race. We all know that. So, so no, I don't think it's fair just to say, hey, we're going to get rid of a mile and a half. So I think the effort is to fix the mile and a half program, make it better, right? right. And so that's what this conversation is about in regard to the all-star package. How do you take that all-star package and make it so you can run it at a mile and a half without messing up the integrity of the sport, without doing all those things. If you can run wide open around the racetrack every lap, that's not the answer. Mm -hmm. That's not what we need to do. That does devalue what the drivers can do. But if you can find a way to make it so it's still in the driver's hands, mm -hmm. so it's still in the team's hands, to make the car drive bad, drive good, all those kind of things, if it's at a slower speed, I don't care how fast they're going, as long as it is difficult to do. I'm okay if you slow it down and make the racing better so you have better racing 
a mile and a half than what we currently have. You just said a key word for me, and that's difficult to do. And I think it's not, it doesn't just need to be difficult for the drivers, but difficult for the engineers and the crew chiefs. I think that's what makes Bristol so exciting right now is you have this track that's uh, ground up on the top groove, so the the dynamic of the rubber changes over the course of the run. You have PJ1 on the bottom groove, which changes over the course of a run. And it's constantly, uh, the drivers are constantly have to adjust. I mean, I, I drove in that race last week and I would run the top for 25 laps and then I have to move to the bottom. And then that would only last for so long I'd move back to the top, right? And it's almost mystical. You don't even know why you're just <laughs> adapting as a driver. And so I think that NASCAR in these racetracks has done a great job of, of finding tools like PJ1 and different aero packages and a different restrictor plate uh, package for these tracks. And I think we just need to continue to use those tools. I, I would love to see more PJ1 on these intermediate racetracks. I think that some of them, you know, we could put it on the bottom groove or in the middle or up top. Some of them, I think, I, I wish they just put a, 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 sheet, a layer of PJ1 all the way across the whole racetrack and just let it work its way through the weekend and let the drivers sort of wear out the groove and move around. Uh, we just have to continue to use those tools and, and we're gonna find a formula that works. Hey, mile and a half aren't going away. I mean, we're not just gonna wake up in 2022 and there'll be no mile and a half. So the conversation in my world isn't, do we need to have more mile and a half? Do we need to have more short track races? The conversation is, how do we make the mile and a half better? Like, the variety in our series is what makes it awesome. Like the fact that you run so many different kind of racetracks. Right. I mean, that is the challenge of it. You wake up one day and you just got done running a half mile, and now you're going to a mile and a half, and then you're going to a road course, and then you're going to a one-mile track. That's a test of the best drivers, the best teams, and all those kind of things. We need to keep that variety. And don't confuse history, right? <laughs> what drives me crazy about this conversation is we're going to talk about Rockingham, right? Oh, we ought to have Rockingham yeah. back, and trust me, I, I love Rockingham. Yeah. I loved it. And, we, you know, we should have North Wilkesboro back. Uh, we should have Iowa. But Rockingham wasn't, wasn't exactly full when we left. The grand, there were a lot of empty seats in the grandstands, the and they built tracks the in Chicago left. and in exactly. te Texas so and places. Let's I mean, don't reinvent history and say, well, these places were packed and the fans love it. Because fans were not going there, and they were packing Chicago and Kansas and Texas. Those were sold-out places, and Rockingham and North Wilkesboro weren't. So let's don't confuse history and act like we just that the sport left those tracks. Those tracks had a role, and the fans had a role in not showing up. And they were showing up at the mile and a half. Now, things have changed, and I get it, but that is part of the reason the decisions were made. So you mentioned a, a word that I found interesting that they, the, the all-star package may be a little bit easier for teams to, to use, you know. Is, is that an answer? And it's, it is clearly coming in some form in 2019. I don't think the all-star package as we saw it this year is the answer. It's not enough power. It, it, it's, it's, it's too easy to drive. It, it, there, a reduction in power is fine. If you take power away from the cars, Richard Petty didn't have as much power as we have now, okay? So if you take power away from the cars, I don't care if you take power away, but you can't take power and also make them drive exceptionally well. You have to take some power away in an effort to create an opportunity. Keep Listen to what I'm saying, okay? So the guy in second. The mayor. The guy in second, he at currently at a mile and a half is only disadvantaged because the arrow comes off his car. There is not any advantage of a draft down the, down the straightaway. It's just not. So if you pull some power away, now the guy in second, he has an opportunity to get a draft down the straightaway 
and make up for what he lost in the corners for the lack of downforce. So under the current situation, the, the guy in second only loses. He doesn't gain anything. And, and you can have a better car in second and run slower because you're aero deficient. So that's got to get fixed. And taking power away helps fix that. But you can't take so much away where Landon can sit in the car and just bah, wide open around the race. That's not Because that's where racing, the fastest car will just win. Correct. That's yep. not what cup racing should be about. Right, are you still on the bandwagon of the all-star race should be held at South Boston or a short track like that? It, 100%. Absolutely. 100%. And it should move. I think that'd be yep. fun. It should move. It shouldn't go just to Nashville. I'll, I'll campaign with you on it that It should one. go it should <laughs> travel around. And, and the guys at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway should promote it because they know how to promote They know how to do it. But it should move around, around the country to cool short tracks all around the country. Yeah. And that is a visit to the mayor's office, everyone, about short tracks in NASCAR currently. Well, coming up, a big moment a few weeks ago for Hendrick Motorsports. Win number 250. We'll talk HMS when we come back on NASCAR America. fun to see those first-time winners and those were two in the last few weeks guys so we want to hear from you guys in your uh, best moments of the summer so far in 2018 uh kyle bush still leading chase elliott kind of closing that gap though fellas yeah i like i win. like chase's win as a, that was a i big thought one. chase would run away with this yeah. so kyle the moment in chicago people still love that by the way the win for chase elliott the 250th for hendrick motorsports clearly a milestone moment for one of the powerhouse teams in nascar it took more than a year for Hendrick Motorsports to reach a milestone victory in NASCAR. Thank you, thank you, thank you! Frustrating for the team, but fitting in its significance. 250 wins in the Cup Series by 17 drivers over 34 years, and there has never been anything easy about it. Starting out of an equipment shed with a staff of six people, Rick Hendrick's team, then known as All-Star Racing, won its first race and only its eighth start when it was on the precipice of exhausting its cash reserves and facing a shutdown. Instead, the team triumphed twice more in that first season with Jeff Bodine, who kicked off a legacy of winning with a diverse lineup of drivers, each contributing with their own unique style, personality, and body of work. Four Hall of Famers, Jeff Gordon, Terry Labonte, Daryl Waltrip, and Mark Martin, as well as some likely future ones in Jimmy Johnson and Kyle Busch. 
Fan favorites with immense star power, whether it be the flamboyance of unbelievably talented Tim Richmond, or the third generation appeal of the ever relatable Dale Earnhardt Jr. There have been veteran journeymen, Ricky Rudd, Casey Kane, Ken Schrader, Joe Nemechek, Brian Vickers, who had a handful of stops in victory lane. And two others, Casey Mears and Jerry Nadeau, whose only wins came with the team. It's all happened over a span of more than three decades as Hendrick mushroomed into a four-car team. 600 employees housed in 430,000 square feet on 140 acres in Concord, North Carolina. The growth has come through a cancer battle that nearly took its founder, a plane crash that claimed the lives of some key links to its past and future successes, and some long droughts. After traveling to the previous 37 races without being used, Hendrick's 250th wind banners finally were broken out at Watkins Glen. Yeah, baby, yeah! And in celebration of a budding star who had waited nearly three times as long to break through for his own win. I'm so sorry, guys. It wasn't easy getting to victory lane for Chase Elliott, but getting back there figures to happen a lot more frequently. That's the Hendrick Motorsports way. That's one of many right here. Wow, fantastic job by Nate, as always, Nate. And there's a lot to unpack from there, but I really just want to ask you guys one simple question. Can Hendrick Motorsports win a championship in 2018? So if you'd asked me this a month ago, I'd have said no, there's not a chance. But watching Chase Elliott and the improvements that they've made, you look at the stage wins they've all of a sudden started getting, the laps they've started leading, uh, they have become very consistent. So Chase Elliott gives them a shot. I don't see anybody else that, that has a chance, but – but with his recent success, not just winning Watkins Glen, but his recent success of how they run, I've started to think that he could, uh, he could get on the roll at the right time and put themselves in position. I, I, think, I think you're swinging your decisions. You said a month ago, no, and now, yes. For me, it's Hendrick Motorsports, and it's a yes all the time. And that's because huh. they're still one of the most well-funded organizations in the sport. They've got some of the most talented people. They've got – you can always hang your hat on that 48 team. Even though they're without a win, they just – can show up and peak at the right time. You don't know when they're going to peak. And and the beauty of our sport right now is we have a playoff system that it only takes one win to get to, to be the champion. And that you can see, I can see that organization, especially the nine and the 48, uh, putting together a solid playoff run and, uh, and contending for a title in Homestead. Great point. And speaking of Chase Elliott, it's been six years since we've seen his dad, Bill, behind the wheel of a race car. But guess what? Awesome, Bill is back this weekend. The Xfinity Series at Road America coming up. We'll talk to the NASCAR Hall of Famer next on NASCAR America. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Get ready for an awesome return. See what we did there, Burton. Awesome return. I saw you. Got that? I saw you. Good. That Bill good. Elliott's coming back this weekend. Did you get that? Hey, Road America, Saturday, 3 p.m. on Saturday. You don't want to miss it. Bill Elliott, yes, will be behind the wheel for the Xfinity Series. By the way, here's what his car looks like, guys. Pretty close. There you go. I like it. Looks really good. I like Simple, that. Clean. That always works. And by the way, his son Chase was doling out advice to his Hall of Fame father. 
And here's proof. He was on the NASCAR on NBC podcast with Nate Ryan, which came out today, by the way. Here's the advice Chase gave his dad, Bill. I just sent in my, my notes there from the last race uh, that I ran. You know, just has my breaking points and stuff, which, you know, might have changed a little bit since that race. But I thought it would be pretty a pretty close starting point so um i don't know you know take it take it take it or leave it you know it's uh, it is definitely weird to be to be sending him uh, my opinion about a racetrack or <laughs> or this or that but you know i want to see him go and and uh get up to speed quick and we don't you know you don't have a ton of practice time you know on those weekends so i right. think it'll be important to kind of have some references when you get there did he reply uh, not via email, but we we have discussed it. So he he has read it. So that made, made me feel better about it. <laughs> and you had never, I presume, offered him driving tips before. No, no, okay. no absolutely not. And we welcome in the NASCAR Hall of Famer, Bill Elliott. Is that the first time you've been emailed driving tips from your son? Obviously, Bill, right? Uh, pretty much. I would say that would <laughs> be a, a, a fact. Uh, so, you know, the thing about it is, he said, it's probably, there's no need me sending me, sending him any of my notes because they're definitely not applicable in today's world. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not, they're not in, they're not, not emailable, right, Bill? They were all handwritten that, back in the day. That's a fact. I'll just hand him the notebook. <laughs> all right. So are you excited about this? Like, what's your kind of thought process going into to Road America this weekend? You know, I really am. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I mean... I'm kind of expecting the worst and hoping for the best. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't really know what to expect. I don't know. Uh, I, I just, I'm going into it and just saying, hey, you know, we'll throw it up there and see how it goes. And, you know, I know it's a good race car and I know it's going to be up to the driver. And, you know, my main goal is to come out of there and it looking like it does in that picture right now. <laughs> and so bill so bill i want to know so why why are you doing this what did you, what made you decide to want to do this what made me decide was my son mike beam and keith barnwell that's what made me decide it because they threw me under they said you know as i told some people before i was at i was at watkins glen and we've been talking about it a little bit and i said you know you really need to put aj or somebody else in the car i said and then a, a few minutes passed and Mike Beam texted me back too, but too late, bud. You're in because we done announced it. <laughs> <laughs> Honest now, to God, how it went. <laughs> now, Bill, I got a really important question because because you drove through an area where the cars were more physical than ever, and I do think that these race cars right now are hotter and more physical um, than they ever been. I want to know what is your fitness and nutrition plan because that's what the modern day <laughs> driver talks about. I got to know what's your plan for this weekend. Well, you know, it might be beer drinking, chicken bone throwing stuff. But no, you know, I, I got off the beer deal a long time ago, so I'm not, I'm not like a Schrader. So I do kind of keep myself halfway fit. I ride dirt bikes a fair amount. And uh, I have been road racing my uh, vintage uh, cup car. So I've got a pretty good idea of what to expect. I realize how hot the cars are today. Uh, so I'm going into it. I think I'm going to borrow Jimmy Johnson's cool suit. I don't know if that'll help. I might feel like <laughs> Superman with that. So I've got Jimmy Johnson's cool suit. I've got Chase's notes. And I've got a good race car. What else do you need? <laughs> so I want to know. So we hear all these young drivers talking about they spent the week on a simulator. Huh. 
Did you get a chance to go to the Chevy simula- simulator and sit in that and drive it? No, negative. Okay. <laughs> Nor did you probably want to, right? No, no, I don't know that I could have made that. I don't know that I know what I would be doing if I did it. You know, when Chase was when Chase was growing up, he started doing this eye race and stuff, and he got me to go in there and do it. And I said, you know, the thing about it is, I said, the the what you see, what I envision of what I saw on the racetrack is a lot the same. I mean, some of it is applicable, but on on the flip side, you know, and I'm sure Jeff and Landon will attest to this. To me, it's as much feel as it is what you see, other than getting a visual of kind of what you expect on the racetrack. I don't know what else you learn because the race cars, to me, it's like flying a simulator with an airplane versus flying a real hmm. airplane. It, it's, that, it's kind it, of two totally different worlds. So, Bill, that's the excuse every time I use that I can't stay on the lead lap when my son's on <laughs> <Yeah>. iRacing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a feel. Yeah, but they, you grow, feel. You know, they grew up in the computer age. And I exactly. Mean, God, they can do everything on the computer. Exactly. So, uh, now, Bill, we, we talked about Chase helping with notes, but he actually is going to be there helping you this weekend, right? He's going to be spotting for you? Yeah, I figured I'd run five laps. I figured I'd may, I might run the first stage and let him run the stage. <laughs> yeah. you know, I think Blaney's going up there. I'm going to talk him into running maybe the second stage and then maybe Chase finishing it up. Oh, that's perfect. How about that? Sounds like a plan to me. So, so when you and I were standing at Watkins Glen and, and you told me this was all going to go down, you said – my thought was, how many 62-year-olds get an opportunity like this? So, one, what is the opportunity like? And then, two, what is it road, racing at Road America? How much of that was a factor to be able to race at this track? Well, you know, I, ever since I went up there with Chase, the two times I went up there when he raced Xfinity and, na- and back earlier nationwide, I thought it was a really cool racetrack. And I always enjoyed road racing. I, I got to where I, I was kind of better at it at the beginning and I kind of got worse at it as time went on. You know, I was okay at times. Uh, I really liked Sonoma when we first went there. Of course, I won my first cup race on a road course at Riverside. And, you know, so I enjoyed the road racing world. Uh, But yet, I just, to me, just looking at it to see, A, how how you stack up. I mean, all these kids, as I said earlier, are really good racers. I mean, you watch them and you see where they came from and how they came up racing and what they did and so on and so forth. And the last time that I actually drove a car in competition, I raced with your son, Jeff, at Op Alabama. Yep, I remember it. I remember that. That was a long, seems like a long time ago, Bill. (laughs) It, It was. And, you know, I've not raced really in competition other than what I've been playing this with this vintage stuff from that, from that point. But, but you know, like I said, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to go into it with a very open mind and say, Hey, it is what it is and do what you can do. And, you know, just come out there and, you know, strategy plays a part, you know, how, th- how things unfold play a part, you know, try not to get caught up in some of the stuff that goes on at a road course, which you kind of understand. And, I just think it's a cool place and, and be fun. I know one thing, if I was if I was going to watch somebody, I'd be glued to the television, you know, 3 o'clock Eastern time Saturday afternoon to watch this. Hey, he just made a promo. <laughs> go. Good job, Bill. Good job. Very nice. Thank you, Bill. So, hey, man, we, so we, we watched Chase win Watkins Glen, and we watched you on the spotter stand. Like, what's that like, uh, spotting for your son, winning his first cup race? I mean, I'm not sure I could have stayed on the spotter stand. How did you handle that? 
Well, you know, I couldn't see what happened after he took the white going into turn one, and probably a good thing I didn't. But <laughs> the but the flip side, you know, what I really caught saw of that race, I mean, between Kyle and Truex and Chase, they were the three best, hands down. You know, Chase was able to take control the last 32 laps and control the race. You know, whether he ran out of gas or Truex ran out of gas, you know, he basically controlled the last 32 laps. And that's what I saw was the whole pinnacle of the whole race. You know, because if you'd have sat there and if you'd have said, okay, I'm going to let Truex lead, and then Truex run out of gas, you know, you'd say, well, you know, he, he ran out of gas, the reason you won the race. But on the flip side, he ran Truex out of gas at the end of the day. Hmm. So I was proud of how he, how, how he handled the whole afternoon and how he did it. But then on, a, on another note, watching Saturday night, I thought he drove a hell of a race Saturday night. I mean, almost as good as what I saw at Watkins Glen because he was coming at the end of the race. I want to ask you, Bill, about Chase as a driver and how he's matured. I know there's been an element of the last couple of years of you kind of trying to step back and let him figure it out on his own. But how has he matured as a driver and where is he as a driver right now, you think? I think he's almost at the top of where he needs to be. I mean, watching him, you know, guys, if you look at, if you look at race drivers over the years, and I got to go back to the era when I came along, you know, you had drivers that could road race, you had drivers that could short track race, and you had drivers that could speedway race. And and most of the drivers could, you know, you had a small percentage that could do it all, and the rest of them couldn't do it all. They were either good one place or the other. Hmm. And then, but today, if you look at the last, 10 or so years in the cup side, maybe a little bit longer than that, maybe 15, all the guys have to be good everywhere. I mean, you take Tony Stewart, Kyle, Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, they've been able to win everywhere. So that sets them apart from everybody else. And that's where I've seen Chase mature, especially in the last six months. You know, when he came in, when he came into cup race and his kind of, his best, I felt, strong suit was road racing. But but then on the flip side, when he came into the cup world, that was his weakest point. Hmm. And now he's been able to step it up. I mean, he ran, he's led at Martinsville, he's, read it, he's led at Daytona, he's led at road courses, he's led at short track, mid-size, and all of the above. So to me, that's made him more rounded as a driver, and I think that's been important for him and as he continues on his, in his career, that, hey, I can run good anywhere I go. And that, and that says so much for a race car driver to me in this day's world. Well, good stuff, Bill. Hey, by the way, when's the last time you went to a rookie meeting? You know, I can't remember. And you've got to go. 1977, guys. Holy smokes. Uh, and I think Daryl Waltrip put on the the, uh, the rookie meeting. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Well, I can't believe they're going to make you go to the rookie me- meeting, even though you're a Hall of Famer. But have fun hey, this weekend. Wait. Yeah. Well, it'll be fun, right? Just take all the take the whole experience in, right? That's exactly right. All right, cool. Well, have fun at Road America this weekend. We're wishing you all the best of luck. Okay. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a great day. Have a great time, Bill. Thanks, Bill. Thank Always you, fun hanging out with the Hall of Famer. He's got to go to the rookie meeting, Burton. Can you believe <laughs> that? I just great. can't, can't that believe that. That's so cool. I mean, you know, listen, man. I mean, 
he's right. I mean, how many times does a, a you know guy in his age, Hall of Famer, get a chance to go drive a race car in a, a major series? And most people would say no, right? Yeah. And I love the fact that he said yes. And you know, he doesn't care. He doesn't yep. care if he finishes 18th or first. He's gonna go been, out and have a good driving time. these. He's been driving his vintage cars. He's been on them. So awesome. <laughs> we'll gonna, see. Going to be very cool. Well, up next, a very touching story about an 11-year-old boy and how the NASCAR community has helped him with his one wish. That's next on NASCAR America. As Robert Wickens continues to recover from injuries sustained from his vicious crash at Pocono, the Verizon IndyCar Series moves on to St. Louis this Saturday night. Should be a fantastic race there, 8.30 Eastern on NBCSN. Here's how the championship standings shape up, by the way, in the Verizon IndyCar Series. Scott Dixon's lead is evaporating. Alexander Rossi really made up a ton of points at Pocono. Three races to go in that championship for those guys. Hey guys, race drivers from everywhere have been answering the call from an 11-year-old Iowa boy who wants racing stickers to cover his casket when he passes away from leukemia. He's loved racing. Caleb Hammond, we're talking about, since the age of two when he first visited Southern Iowa Speedway. Caleb got experience firsthand this past weekend. Saturday night, he suited up, got to drive the car around the track. So cool to see a 12-year-old racer sat behind him and helped him work the stick shift and the pedals to get around the racetrack. His passion for racing is what prompted the request for stickers and NASCAR drivers and teams and fans have been responding. Check this out. Look at that, guys. Wow. <laughs> That's how the racing community responds. It always amazes me how the racing community comes together. That's just in the past couple of days at his house. Yep. That's amazing. It's That's amazing. Here's Ty Dillon signing some stuff for Caleb. And then and the, and the reaction's just been amazing, guys, as we see all these people come in. And, and, Jeff, I don't think this is any surprise. This is just, in general, how the racing community is. It really is. I, you know, at, at times of uh, need, when people are struggling, when people have problems, uh, the people that compete against each other and yell at each other and fight at each other, they become one. And it's one of the most proud thing I am to be part of our sport because yep. it, is, it is so cool to watch a community come together. I mean, it came from all fronts too. I mean, yeah. I have been inundated with messages on my Facebook page, you know, not just NASCAR people, I'm spreading the word. I saw it, uh, I think I first saw it from a late mo dirt late model driver, Billy Moyer Jr., yeah. uh, tweeting about it. And, and IndyCar teams yep. brought it up. I, I mean, know Andretti Autosports sent some things as well. Yep. Just crazy, it's, yep. a, it's, it's amazing. So it's, it's great to see, and Caleb, we're thinking about you, praying for you, and uh, hopefully you'll have uh, plenty of stuff. And obviously, a lot of love from the racing community no overall, question. from everybody. So. Coming up, we'll get the final results from our poll question, your favorite moments of the summer. Plenty of that more on NASCAR America. What'd you say to Daddy this morning that you wanted to do? I wanted to ride in the car with him to Ready? make Curie Lane. He'll win again in the Irish Hills. Yeah, yeah, NASCAR about Keelan said they were uh, thinking about it. Say hi to Keelan, everyone. You want him to get the checkered flag? He's asked me for a couple days, and he said, Daddy, if you win, I want to go across the track and get the checkered flag. Pretty cool to, to be able to watch him do that. Gotta wave it. I think he's going to get a ride in the race car, Rick. First checkered flag for Keelan, and now his first ride to victory lane. Be able to bring your kids to the racetrack, bring your kids to work, and 
experience these types of things with him is just uh, a dream come true. Keelan Harvick, the ride of his life. <laughs> That's awesome. That for me was one of my favorite That's summer cool. moments. That was a cool moment. So you guys voted, and look, Chase Elliott, I think, is going to win here. And Chase Elliott does win. There With you the go. comeback, the late race With comeback. The comeback. I thought Kyle Busch was going to win it there. But Chase Elliott, your favorite summer moment so far. And I believe, uh, Jeff, fantastic race, obviously, at Watkins Glen. All right, we're running out of time. We want to get to our other, our other superlatives. Best overall race. What'd you get, what do you guys have for that? At Chicago, mile and a half. Went, uh, good race at the end there. That's a good one. That Watkins Glen race, Martin Truex and and – and uh, and he going at it, you know, that to me was awesome racing. Cool to watch. For me, it was Bristol. I love the Bristol race. We just, the Bristol race we were just at, I thought it was fantastic. We must have short-term memories. <laughs> <laughs> I thought race. that was a fantastic race. Um, okay, funniest moment of the regular season so far. What do you got? Mine's the comment that Kyle Larson made last week. I'm not going to say what he, you know, I don't want to use that <laughs> word, but that, to me that was funny when he told all the asphalt guys to do it. Get braver. Get braver. Yeah. braver. That was pretty funny. What he said? I, for me, it's anytime Kyle Busch does anything, it's funny to me. <laughs> he is, he's either melting down about something or he's celebrating for a win. He's just so charismatic. Yes, there you go. But that's also your best post-race celebration, <laughs> yes, right? Yes, by the way. Yeah, I just did. I'm gravitated so, to Kyle right now. What's your best post-race celebration moment? The Keelan and Harvick. You can do something with your kid like that, yeah. let them celebrate with him. I, how do you beat that? I loved the moment when Boyer won Martinsville and, and Cash is running out yes, to him. That's yeah, a yes. great moment, I Good thought, from the regular it. season. A lot of fun there. So, all right, let's get to it. Championship favorites. Who you got? Um, Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers. Okay. <laughs> the duo. Yeah, the duo. you guys were looking for more than one. It was championship favorites, but I. Right. Uh, no favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going with him. I, I like that pick. I don't know how you yep. go against him. Kyle Bush will put some pressure on him, but I, I yep. like that pick. I like Kyle Bush. And I wonder for the 78 team, I know they want to put this contract situation behind them, but I wonder if right now that's a bit of a distraction with where they're at has to be some sort of a distraction. No doubt about it. So we've had a lot of fun giving out our superlatives. I'm disappointed you didn't get one in high school in your senior yearbook, but I'm glad you <laughs> so got one. So was my mother. Landon. There you go. <laughs> By the way, Landon's going to be a pit reporter this weekend at Road yes. America. Ooh, had a lot of fun with that. Pit reporting debut. If you need any tips, me and Parker. He'll be able to help you out. Thanks to Bill Elliott for joining us here, and we hope you guys have had fun with NASCAR America from the Big Oak Table. Don't forget, Road America this weekend featuring the return of Bill Elliott. We'll see you next week.